You know, as I listened to Catherine and Suzanne and their talents, uh, my thought was God created music probably because God gets tired of hearing us talk. The word of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you for that offering. During October, I'm preaching on um, four individuals who had four really different responses to Jesus as they met him. You read the, Old, the New Testament, you'll find that there was no one response to Christ, which leaves room for you and for me. There's no template. There's no one way to do it. And in these stories, we've looked at the poor widow who brought her might to the very public offering place at the temple. And Jesus pointed her out among all the other givers. And then we spent time last week with the young, rich ruler. The only story we have where Jesus called someone to follow him and they said no. A painful story in many ways. Today we come to the woman and the alabaster jar. She's found in three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. She's not in Luke. And we're reading her story from Mark. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard. And she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, Why was this ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. There, truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. The word of the Lord. That's a powerful thing to say about some, somebody that wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Wow. You think anybody will remember anything you've ever done? Like this? My older brother retired from um, being a lawyer in Atlanta uh, years ago, and he took a nostalgia trip as 
I understand some people do when they retire, kind of go back to some places where you lived and your childhood. And he went back to the small village of South Mills, North Carolina, just outside of Elizabeth City, where my mom and dad are from. And we have um, somewhat of a family cemetery there. I think everybody in that village is kin to each other. And he took a walk through the cemetery and he noticed all these old tombstones and all these old names, the Eason's and the Sawyer's and the Hosted's and the Norris's. We're all kin to each other. And it struck him that, who are these people? Great-great-grandfather buried there, great-great-grandmother buried there. Anybody know any stories about them? Anybody know what they sounded like or looked like or anything they ever did? No. And there's their name and a date on a tombstone. And it makes you have to wonder, what am I doing with my life? And will there be any ripple effect to it at all? That generations later, not that I want to be famous, but that I want to be significant. I want my life to matter. This woman, we don't even have her name, she did something that would be remembered for centuries. And we didn't know the poor widow's name, we didn't know the young rich ruler's name, but we've never forgotten their stories. And after all these years, we're still talking about this one incident this lady did that probably only took three minutes of her life to do it. Three minutes of something. And do you think she would have thought in those three minutes... They'll be talking about me in the year 2016 in Richmond, Virginia. (laughs) No. She had no idea. The ripple effect of her life. She didn't do this for recognition or for fame. So what is it about this one thing she did that lasted only three minutes that Jesus would say this incredible Proclamation: Wherever the good news is preached, is proclaimed in the whole world, that would include the commonwealth. What she has done will be told in remembrance and of her. And he was so right. Here I am. I'm doing it. We're remembering her. Where they are is they're in Bethany. If you've been to the Holy Land, you know Jerusalem sits up on the high uh, hill. And, um, and then there's somewhat of a, just a big ravine that's called the Kidron Valley. It's really like a big ditch that goes around the city. And, and if you go up the hillside off of that ravine, you go into the Mount of Olives. And if you keep Walking straight up that hill, you get to the top. It's it's fairly easy walk or short walk. And just over that hill is a little village called Bethany. It's two miles outside of the gates of Jerusalem. And that's where they are. And this is right before he is arrested and tried and crucified just days before the resurrection. Matthew and Mark say this happened in Simon the leper's house, but for some reason, John says it's in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we're not sure why there's a discrepancy. 
As they were eating, this woman, John says it was Mary, came with an alabaster jar. It's a white, very precious jar, very soft, of costly ointment of nard. It was perfume. And it would be the custom when you come into somebody's house to eat that they would put a few drops of perfume on you as you either come to the table or as you recline at the table to eat. But apparently she poured the entire contents of this flask onto and into the hair of Christ. She anointed him. Now the disciples chime in and they're angry and upset. And they say, why was this ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. Well, that sounds very rational. So, you know, they were Presbyterians. (laughs) 300 denarii would have been a full year's salary for a working person. And giving that kind of money to the poor seemed a more prudent thing to do, as Jesus had once said to the young rich rulers, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. So it would make sense. Jesus cares about the poor. This is a very expensive perfume. Why would you waste it pouring the whole thing out on his head? And you have a disgruntled session. The first one in history with many more to come. But this time, Jesus does not direct this gift to the poor. Not this time. This is extravagant love poured out for God. She's not giving this gift to the poor. This isn't charity. This is an offering of my life to God, all of it. I don't know how she got that expensive flask. I don't know who she is, but she knows Jesus. And she values him and she's doing this for him. And it's the abandonment of it that gets your attention that she is free from her possessions Her money doesn't own her. She owns her money. And she decides. She decides what's valuable in life and what is not. This is very intentional. I've been in ministry for 37 years now. And that means I've done 37 stewardship campaigns. Don't you think that's enough? Yeah, I do. But don't you worry, I'm doing this one. So you're not getting off the hook. We're doing it. But in that time of dealing with people and their money, and I have over the years, money's a big deal. I mean, it's uh, what we value, it's what we do with it. I've met a lot of generous people in 37 years. 
In one of my churches, there was a woman of very meager means who had a goal. She wanted to give $500,000 to the church when she died. And she didn't make anywhere near that kind of money to have $500,000. So you know what she did? She took out an insurance policy for $500,000. And we didn't get much from her on her, you know, yearly pledge. It was meager. But she was taking money all year and paying on her premiums for that $500,000 because she had a goal. When she died, she wanted to leave a substantial gift to her church for a particular cause. And some might say, what a waste. She could have used that money for herself, but it wasn't a waste. Not for her. It was a gift. And she planned it. I have a friend who's in the ministry in a little bit different circumstances, but still not a wealthy man, really. And he owns quite a few rental properties. And he's been building on these rental properties over the years. And it's somewhat of a project for him. His goal is to leave $10 million to the Presbyterian Church, to the seminary, and to his alma mater. All the money he makes in those rental properties goes to that goal. His goal is to build his worth to $10 million to give it away. It's a plan for being generous. It's not spontaneous. It's not what I feel like doing. It's what I want to do. It's the same kind of plan that some people have to get rich. I want to be worth $10 million, and that's their goal in life. This is a generosity plan. This is a plan for giving. This is an intentional effort to make a difference in the world. The amount is not important. You might not be able to do $10 million or $500,000, and that's not the point. You're missing it. The point is the heart. The heart that belongs to God is not calculated in its giving, but it's reckless. It's extravagant. And not just giving to the budget of a church. That's too small a target. It's all of life. It's thinking big when it comes to generosity. See, this woman poured it out. Nobody begged her to do it. Nobody called her and said, you're late with your pledge card. She just did it. She did it and shocked everybody in the room. The whole church was shocked because she didn't value what was in that jar as much as she valued what was in Christ. That's where the value was. She didn't worship her jar. She used her jar to worship Christ. She literally poured out her life in response to God's grace. And I think that's why Jesus said, pay attention to this. Because this story will be told everywhere the gospel is proclaimed. Several years ago, I was thinking about this text over the years. Several years ago, it, something dawned on me. This is very expensive, intense perfume. 
Just a drop would have been enough. And probably pouring the whole thing on his head took the oxygen out of the room. These are small stone houses. So I bet they couldn't even breathe. I bet some people got up and ran outside gasping for air because this just overtook the whole room, her gift. But then I thought about this. She anointed him just two days before the Passover in Jerusalem. They'd come off that hill. They'd walk down uh, through the Mount of Olives. They'd cross over the little Kidron Valley. They'd come into Jerusalem, go to the upper room, and celebrate what we call the Last Supper. Don't you think they could smell this perfume on him as he sat at that table. Don't you think they could smell this on him when he knelt down at the door and took a towel and a basin and washed their feet and as he bent over and they're standing there, they could smell it in his hair. Her extravagant gift kept filling the room up. And it was only days before his arrest. He would be arrested that night, tried at Caiaphas' house, taken to Pilate at 9 o'clock in the morning, be crucified. And here's something to think about. Do you think it's possible that Jesus smelled this perfume while he hung on the cross. Wow. I do. See, that's what happens with extravagant love. <clears throat> There's no end to it. And if you reduce it to a budget, you've lost the point. She filled the room up. When they arrested him, they smelled her gift. When he sat in the basement of Caiaphas' house waiting to be tried, he filled the room up with her perfume. When he washed their feet, they smelled it. I think when he hung on the cross... He smelled it. When they put him in the tomb, you could still smell it. You know, somebody will walk through the cemetery one day, see your name on a plaque or something, and there'll be some dates on it, but I wonder what they would remember about you or me. Was I ever this reckless with my love for God? Or did I spend my whole life trying to fill my barns up to prove that I'm worth something? When I've been worth something all along. Every person has an alabaster jar. It's a part of you that wants to respond to God's grace. 
And this woman seized her opportunity. She even interrupted a dinner party. She acted. She did something shocking. She used her alabaster jar to glorify God. Some people die and never open their alabaster jar to God. That, my friends, would be a wasted life. Thank God for this woman. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen.